this is Dr. Nick Tiller, and you're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science podcast. What follows is an audio recording of my column, published in Skeptical Inquirer, the magazine for science and reason. For more information, visit www.skepticalinquirer.org. As with all articles in this series, a full list of references and a link to the written piece can be found in the show notes. Episode 6. Using fear to sell fitness. The health trends that are preying on our insecurities. Fructose is a poison, he said repeatedly. You've got to stop eating fruit. I don't understand what you mean, I replied. In what way is fructose a poison? Well, it causes disease and it's a poison. It quickly became clear that he could not articulate what he meant by poison, or indeed, how fructose supposedly caused disease. Like many others, my colleague had been deceived by powerful fear-based marketing rhetoric designed to demonise carbohydrates and even naturally occurring fruit sugars in favour of a high-fat diet. Competing with such an emotive and ideological proposition is complex and fraught with difficulty. At its core, fear-based marketing is an emotive argument. In his classic treatise Rhetoric, the Greek philosopher Aristotle described how emotion and arousal were prerequisites to persuasion. Quote, The orator persuades by means of his hearers, when they are roused to emotion by his speech. For the judgments we deliver are not the same when we are influenced by joy or sorrow, love or hate. Aristotle was warning against acting on instinctual emotions, suggesting they evoke beliefs where none exist. Over 2,000 years after Aristotle, the Welsh philosopher and polymath Bertrand Russell wrote about the conflict between intuition and intellect. Quote, Instinct, like all human faculties, is liable to error. Those in whom reason is weak are often unwilling to admit this as regard to themselves, though all admit it in regard to others. End quote. Direct response marketing. The average American is exposed from several hundred to several thousand adverts per day. Under perpetual pressure to convert potential customers into sales, advertisers resort to increasingly questionable tactics to cut through the noise. So-called direct response marketing is designed to evoke an emotional response from a prospect and of all emotions, fear is the most powerful. In 2022, entrepreneur and investor Heather Morgan, later indicted and arrested on charges of federal money laundering, penned an article for Inc. entitled Four Things You Need to Know About Selling with Fear. Quote, Fear can be your most powerful sales asset, but only if you know how to use it correctly. This also makes it a highly effective sales strategy. Start by researching your audience's pain points, end quote. These strategies are commonplace with numerous articles and websites devoted to perfecting the craft. In few places is fear-based marketing more prevalent than in health and wellness. Fear-based marketing is so effective because it exploits the pessimism bias, the tendency to anticipate negative effects better 
in order to avoid them. Fear-based adverts stimulate the sympathetic nervous system and the subsequent release of cortisol and adrenaline. Anxiety is the result, followed by an urgency to act to reduce this anxiety by adopting, continuing, discontinuing or avoiding a specified course of thought or action. In other words, bad news and fear pull at our attention, tapping into our primal survival instincts, causing powerful psychobiological effects. Many adverts skillfully manufacture or embellish a problem before providing a solution. As Morgan wrote, quote, Your pitch needs to end on a positive note, one that offers the other person an actionable solution to their problems. End quote. In his book, Tabloid Medicine, How the Internet is Being Used to Hijack Medical Science for Fear and Profit, Robert Goldberg proposes the anti-vaccine movement as an exemplar because it created a false link between vaccines and autism only to capitalize on the resulting panic and fear to push alternative medicines. Examples from the health and fitness world. Organic foods, pesticides and genetically modified organisms. There has been a dramatic surge in the sale of organic foods in the past two decades, with revenues reaching 43.4 billion in the United States alone. According to the USDA, organic food is produced without genetic engineering or the use of GMOs. This has led to predictable anti-GMO propaganda, despite decades of research and widespread agreement on their safety and environmental sustainability. Some organic proponents also claim that traditional farming uses pesticides that cause a range of health problems, including, quote, stinging eyes, rashes, blisters, blindness, nausea, dizziness, cancers, birth defects, reproductive harm, immunotoxicity, neurological and developmental toxicity, and even death, end quote. In turn, organic food is often labelled as pesticide-free, but this isn't true. They simply use organic pesticides instead of synthetic ones. Importantly, regulators such as the EPA only test for the synthetic kind, permitting organic producers to circumvent the regulations. Natural pesticides are generally less effective than synthetic ones, requiring higher concentrations and more applications to elicit the same effect. Thus, natural and synthetic pesticides probably do not differ in terms of their relative health risks, which remain low in any case. Barefoot running shoes. At its core, successful athletic training is precarious balance between applying enough physical stress to evoke a training adaptation, but not so much stress to cause underperformance, injury or illness. For a competitive athlete, injury can be devastating, resulting in loss of training time and a potential loss of sponsorship and income. As a result, products that are purported to reduce injury risk bear a huge responsibility. Barefoot running shoes have been popular for several decades. Sales pitches invariably claim that traditional running shoes with cushioning and arch support have weakened the muscles of the foot and lower leg, predisposing to injury. One prominent vendor of barefoot shoes coined the term shoe spiracy, maintaining that, quote, the modern shoe industry has sold you a lie, 
and that normal shoes fuck your feet. The proposed antidote, minimalist barefoot shoes, have little to no cushioning on the heel or forefoot, which obligates a change in running biomechanics. Nevertheless, a pair of recent review articles showed no difference in injury rates between barefoot shoes and regular shoes, and that transitioning to barefoot shoes had no effect on running economy or muscle development. Low-carbohydrate diets. Scientists agree that carbohydrates are a key fuel for the muscles, brain, and central nervous system, and are important for muscle recovery after exercise. Nevertheless, there's little place for refined sugars in the diet, and there are clear benefits to carefully moderating carbohydrate to facilitate weight loss and promote exercise adaptations. But moderating is distinct from eliminating, and experts maintain that exercising in a low-carbohydrate state for more than a few days per week will compromise immune function. So, a balanced and considered approach is required. Unfortunately, there is a growing collective of food gurus who are devoid of such a balanced and considered perspective and who are intent on demonizing carbohydrates as the source of illness and disease. Many advocate for virtually eliminating carbohydrates from the diet, even the fructose found in fruit, despite unequivocal research showing that a higher consumption of fruit and vegetables is associated with lower total and cause-specific mortality. Ideological views of some keto diet, low-carb, high-fat proponents overlook the nuance of carbohydrate type and how the body deals differently with simple and complex carbohydrates. The aerobic deficiency syndrome. Not a syndrome recognized by health professionals, ADS was coined by chiropractor Phil Maffetone to explain the day-to-day struggles of unfit individuals and those who exercise at high intensities and neglect their aerobic base. According to Maffetone, the condition can be, quote, devastating for athletes, potentially causing a variety of chronic health conditions, end quote. The condition, he wrote, causes an accumulation of excess fat that can, quote, trigger pain, various injuries, ill health, and even disease, end quote. To avoid the negative outcomes of ADS, Maffetone sells celebrity-endorsed training programs, books, heart rate monitors, and a range of dietary supplements that he describes as a new aerobic revolution. The sale of health club memberships. A 2007 study found that fear of looking unattractive was a strong motivator for exercising at the gym compared to the aspiration of looking good, especially for young people. This typical loss aversion bias, wherein people prefer avoiding losses over acquiring equivalent gains, has since been incorporated into health club advertising. However, such marketing can backfire because fear of judgment prevents some people from exercising. There is also considerable research on the harmful impact of health and fitness advertising on body image and self-esteem, with adverts using very lean and or sexualized female models resulting in the pursuit of ultra-thinness. Such advertisements have been criticized for skewing notions of the normal body, contributing to body shaming and disordered eating. These similar cultural pressures in the media and social media 
are thought to contribute to bigorexia in males, a type of reverse anorexia characterized by a preoccupation with becoming overly muscular or lean. Perspectives. Any given intervention should be considered valid or invalid based on merit. In other words, evidence for efficacy and not on whether it's marketed using emotive rhetoric. In fact, fear-based framing of health messages has been explored as a way to encourage positive decisions and help consumers make better health-related choices. The problem is that outcomes at the individual level are impossible to predict. Companies that employ direct response marketing understand that people often make decisions based on intuition and emotion, only to retrospectively justify the decision with flawed logic. Not even the most seasoned critical thinkers are capable of completely muting their chimp brains and making purely rational, dispassionate decisions in all scenarios. However, what critical thinkers seem to do better than most is recognize when their objectivity has been compromised and this itself is a victory. The key to any effective health and fitness decision is to take your time. Time to evaluate the evidence, time to consult some legitimate experts and time to review to what extent your biases are being exploited. Most importantly, although intuition has a pivotal role in productivity and survival, the aim of critical thinking is to hone the ability to cleave some space and doubt between you and your decisions. To paraphrase Bertrand Russell, intuition must be tempered by reason. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this article, check out my book, The Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science, Confronting Myths of the Health and Fitness Industry, published by Taylor & Francis. For more information on this and my other work, visit www.nbtiller.com. Thank you.